Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Hello and welcome to episode 109 of the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast with myself, Ross Casey, back at the helm. And we've got three guests for this one. And it is a special one because it is an FAQ, which we're calling fucking bullshit. Well done, Shaf. Class punnage as always. And we have got back in the booth all the way from Leicester, some city that is apparently better than Bristol at football. <laughs> Josh, how's it going? It's all good, mate. The weather is quite good up here at the top. So, yeah, yeah. all good, mate. Can't complain. <laughs> but Jamie Vardy's wife is a grass, so... Well, <laughs> yeah, not going to comment on that one, I'll be honest. I'll leave that up to your 3,500 supporters. <laughs> well, you know, we got our Jews in the end. <laughs> <laughs> also joining us fresh from a Sunday of female golf and intergender wrestling, it's JCH. <laughs> How you doing, James? You all right? Yeah, all good, mate. Very well. Uh, well, well, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've just been hearing that you've had a hell of a shift yeah it's just just a lo- lovely day can't get enough of these day shifts after progress shows really enjoying them <laughs> and last but not least we've got ourselves a sultan back in the booth it's Shaf. how you doing Shaf? better than jch by the looks of it um, <laughs> um, I, I, i'm not saying the shifters aged him 20 years but i thought it was jeffro toll in the booth <laughs> That's about 15 references already that's turned away all of our US audience. <laughs> I can talk about the Miami Dolphins, if you want. <laughs> go on, you've got 30 seconds, go. Laces wow. out. 70 points. Don't see that every day, do you? What a game. Oh, flying, <laughs> absolutely flying. It might end next week, so I'm going to love this week. <laughs> beautifully put, beautifully put. As you've got 20 seconds left, who's your favourite Dolphin of all time? That's a hard question. Uh, I can't. You're up against the clock. Let me know many. Mine's Ray Finkel. <laughs> Flipper. <laughs> I was looking for Echo. Sorry. Echo. <laughs> I was trying okay. to think of uh, any famous dolphins. Like it. Blank. <laughs> now that we've moved on for the dolphin chat, let's head straight into what the nerds are watching. I've been watching you. A la 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 long. A la 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 long, 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 long. Come on. A la 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 long. Josh, Dom, and 90s Mike ended up at the Electric Ballroom for Progress Wrestling, Chapter 157. And it sounds like you had a lot of fun. The pictures are great. And Josh managed to fit it in in a whistle stop tour as well in his trip to London. So, what was the highlights for you, JCH? <laughs> My highlight was probably the uh, approach on 16 from Carlota Saganda. Uh, it's a long way towards retaining the Solheim Cup. Uh, it was a big sport day for me yesterday. So I was at the wrestling. I did enjoy it. The matches that were in between the Solheim Cup and the Dolphins game <laughs> kicking off, especially in Imura, TK Cooper. Really enjoyed that. Uh, yep. Yeah, I was slightly um, distracted. I'll put it that way. Okay. But yeah, I had a great time with my mates. I had a lovely time chatting to some people after the show. Bought a new Jean Money t-shirt, which I really like. So that you got a pin badge as well? And a pin badge of the Jean Money Championship, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, yeah so I saw a t-shirt on the way in. and was like, oh, I'll get that. 
And then it took me about until right at the end to get it because uh, Leon Slater, so he wasn't allowed to sell it to me and he was the only person in the booth. And I was like, fair enough. <laughs> Leon yeah. Slater wasn't allowed <laughs> to because he's underage. <laughs> no, no, I think only G Money can sell G Money merch. I was like, I went to like the progress people. I was like, can any of you sell me any of the rest of the merch? They're like, no. And then Leon was there when we came back after the interval and he said he wasn't allowed to either. I was like, no worries, I'll grab it at the end. And eventually did get catch up with Jean to get the shirt. A special mention also to Tate Mayfair's winning with a wrist lock. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to pass out to the pain of his wrist lock. That was a, a sensational finish. He enjoyed that. <laughs> How about you, Josh? What were your highlights? Well, that definitely wasn't my highlight. That was probably the low light, I'll be honest, for that scumbag winning. <laughs> I, I quite enjoyed the brief moment of being able to enjoy for about 20 seconds Gene Money and Connor Mills being Progress Tag Team Champions. That was a fun time. I heard that the pop was tremendous. It was just a, like an absolute shock uh, and a, a Pickums horror show once again. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was a fun time. I particularly enjoyed the tease, maybe, of... L.A. Taylor versus Rob Drake, which yeah. you can take all my money and all my credit cards right now, Lee and Martin, <laughs> if you're listening. What was your um, first impression of Rob Drake? Because I know he came in for QT Marshall, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he had a fantastic dance partner, put it that way. Um, <laughs> Jack Bandicoot was, he's someone I've heard a lot of, but not really seen much of. And he was great. But yeah, I was just kind of blown away by the fact that we might get L.A. Taylor and um, Rob Drake. Yeah. So there was that. Yeah. And then, like, I try not to get done every single time Spike's in a title match. But once again, they got me again. And once again, Spike won again. <laughs> and I'm sure in another couple of months when I go again, the exact same thing will happen where I'm convinced <laughs> that Spike will lose. And then he won't because he's a bastard. <laughs> but a pretty brilliant one. Yes, I, I must admit that. <laughs> <laughs> what was the crowd reaction like for the finish? Was it a bit of a, oh, damn, or kind of like a anger yeah, I think when he kind of like did the mask thing, I think we weren't exactly pleased about that. Um, yeah. I think the guys on the pod said last week that the build up to it was so good, making us try and believe that Lycos could actually do this. And I think there was a sense of belief in the room during the match. But then, yeah, obviously the vulture came out on top in the end. So, yeah, the reign of terror goes on, I guess. Yeah, the reign of terror does go on. Uh, JCH, there's been a lot of chat in the group about Spike Chavez versus Kid Lycos and you mentioned on the pod last week that you were looking forward to the match did it live up to your expectations sure yeah <laughs> again yeah it wasn't my I wasn't paying the most attention so I apologize to the, the participants involved but um yeah there was uh, the Dolphins were running up touchdowns galore at that point and I was sort of yeah 50 50 uh, attentiveness fair really. enough um, so it... and there was a lot of there was a lot of stuff going on with like sexy Nick Riley and all that and Oh, yeah, yeah. Big bullet all coming <laughs> in, little Lycos. And so it was a, yeah, a lot going on. And a, yeah. I... Uh, you know what? I hope that Spike listens to this pod. And I hope he picks you out next time we're at the ballroom and smashes up that stupid phone of yours and teaches you a lesson, JCH. <laughs> you, you've got it coming. You've got it coming. You don't piss off the most hated man in Europe. You don't watch the Dolphins play fake rugby. And ignore our overlord like that, and you just watch your back. That's not, I'm not. Gonna, I'm not saying anything. I'm not in the know, but just watch your back, okay? There's a there's a bullet with your name on it. Yeah. Well, my response to that would be that yeah, I've paid my money. He's got what he wants. He doesn't care if I'm booing him on as much as that. He probably he'd probably like me not to boo him. You know, he was saying he thinks he's doing everything in the right when he was on here. <laughs> you know, if you will book a show on a Sunday evening during the NFL season, you're gonna have. To- <laughs> some, some <crackers. laughs> 
Okay, so the last question on progress before we move on to the Q&A. You saw two wrestlers from GCW, Ali Catch and Blake Christian. What were your impressions of those two? Blake Christian match, I did watch a lot of, actually. He was, uh, yeah, we, we gave him a load of uh, stick. We did do one of your um, your chant of them. <laughs> Christian, Christian. I can't remember we said them to fuck off or something, but... um. <laughs> yeah, so I did. I did try that once. It didn't. Dom said he couldn't reach the octave, so he had to let me go it alone. Uh, <laughs> um, Absolute bottle job from Dom. Yeah. Um, oh, someone, someone did start a good uh, headbutt Messiah to the Harry Maguire song. Chant, oh, that's good. I like which that. Which we, uh, which we backed, and that went on for a while for TK. That was a, that was a highlight. Yeah. And Josh, you were telling me off air that you had the opportunity to say hello to Ali Catch, but much like Dom being an opera star, you also bottled it. Yeah, um, that would be putting it lightly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> not my finest moment, I guess. Uh, if the ball's crossed into you, you, it's up to you to score the goal or fire it over the bar. And yeah, something I did the latter. Or but... run away from the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a more accurate description. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and that's absolutely no, you know, nothing negative towards Ali. It's more on my uh, sudden uh, lack of social skills. Yeah, and that leaves us on the independent scene. Leading into the next month where we've got the New Japan show at Copper Box, which I'm assuming some of you will be going to. And also Progress at the end of the month, uh, the long Halloween also. Um, and I'm assuming that none of you are going to this, but also WWE are in town, aren't they? In October. Are they? I think so. I think they're just doing a house aren't, show. Aren't Impact coming to the UK soon as well? Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. Impact are in town as well. So busy few weeks for pro wrestling fans in the UK. I'm very jealous. Although this week I might be going to a show in Doha with D'Lo Brown Ooh. on it. So... Oh, what a highlight. <laughs> Stay tuned I'm... next week for what the nerds are watching on that. I'm going to try and get to the Royal Quest show. Uh, I'm scheduled a football game, uh, but I did get sent off yesterday or saturday so i don't know if i'll be needed much <laughs> going forward I, my my return to football might have ended quite soon but uh, <laughs> um yeah all that training so, yeah, i'd like to go to world quest that should be a good show you cut short the podcast for that yeah. i know and I <laughs> did all that training for uh yeah to be a to be a moron and punch the ball for line <laughs> 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 Amazing, but, but still, D'Lo Brown in guitar—that's got to be a good one. I saw a couple of years ago they had Mark Henry, the Godfather, with him for a little bit of a reunion. Yeah, the Emirates of Domination doesn't really have the same sort of ring to it, but uh, <laughs> the intention was there. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'll uh, keep you informed if I do make it to the show. I think I'm working that day, but I'm trying to get out in time to see the show and uh, see myself a lowdown and get myself a meal deal now. so without any further ado let's go to the round table and as mentioned at the top of the podcast this is an faq where we have asked our lovely followers of wrestling should be fun to ask us some questions so without any further ado let's get cracking into them first up we've got member of the wrestling should be fun group matt brummett who asks (laughs) will there ever be a boy born who can swim faster than shark boy I'm going to put that to JCH. <laughs> Can I think about it whilst uh, eating the end of a packet of Watsits? 
for for an intelligent guy, I think Brum's actually missed the bigger question here, and that is: Is Shark Boy's mom a shark, or is his dad a shark? Oh, big question. I guess I mean, we'll never know. <laughs> if he's a um, shark boy, so he's he's got uh, he's a ma- he's a male, then his dad would have been a human, and his mom would be the shark. I, I don't think you know how babies work, to be honest, JCH. <laughs> <laughs> my dad was a man so i was a boy <laughs> no but i'm saying if he's got if he's come out with like the um the sort of male bottom half then that, that's when that was the his dad was the male then the shark bit is his mom <laughs> if he was a shark girl then i'd say the mom would have been the woman the uh shark no the the, uh, the dad would have been a shark if you see where my logic's coming from i would love to watch the little mermaid with you sometime <laughs> <laughs> i kind of hope that um it is the dad, just so that we could get a backstage or a promo, like pre-film promo of Christian going deep sea diving. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll move on from Brum's mad question. <laughs> this is a question from 3POA Wrestling, a great podcast. Favorite wrestler film performance in a non-wrestling film? This is all handed to you guys without pre-warning, and I've obviously seen these, so I'll just give mine as, obviously, it has to be Hulk Hogan, Mr. Nanny, next. <laughs> <laughs> so my one is the great Carly in The Longest Yard, because he, he barely oh, says so good. and he's he plays his character so well, and, and it's probably the only good thing. Actually, no, he did a funny backstage thing with Paul Heyman once, that was quite good. But other <laughs> than that, it's one of the rare times I've seen the great Carly actually perform and be entertained by him. So I'll go with that. Very good, very good. Shaf? So I would go slightly more serious, and I'll go Hulk Hogan as well. I love Rocky Three. I love yeah. that film so much. Right. Um, so Thunder Lips is an easy choice. Uh, wrestling, Rocky, what more do you need? JCH? Well, it's not Hulk Hogan in Santa with Muscles. It's one of the worst <laughs> films I've ever seen. Um, oh, but it clearly, it's the Rock in Baywatch. It's not even like, I've watched that film loads of times. It's brilliant. Were you part of the Twitter crowd that was trying to get that and voted as the best rock film of all time? That was, yeah, I was behind. I got it to the final. <laughs> I was behind um, that. <laughs> it lost to Mona, well, no, which I now know is called Moana, but at the time I thought it was called Mona because I hadn't seen it. Yeah, I think Arn was running that bracket. Uh, uh, okay. And I was very much behind Baywatch and was the, uh, we took down three of the fasts on the road. We're, we're underdogs every time, just yep. got the followers behind. And uh, yeah, got Baywatch to the final. Couldn't beat Moana, but um, good run there from the Baywatch, but... So would you say that Kid Like Us is the Baywatch of wrestling? (laughs) (laughs) We've got a second question from 3POA Wrestling, which is, I have a guy at work whose go-to takeaway order is two curries, 20 poppadoms, and then he microwaves his own rice. What is your takeaway order, and when will he die of poppadom abuse? (laughs) (laughs) What? So... This is obviously a two-pointed question. I think we can all agree that the Poppadom abuse is a problem and he needs to probably stop doing a 20 order on Poppadoms. But what is your favourite takeaway order, JCH? It's tough because quite often on a Sunday when I'm not at a progress show, I will just sit home and watch the NFL on a Sunday and get a takeaway. So my takeaway day. And I'll yep. spend about an hour and a half going through Deliveroo, Uber Eats and then just getting a pizza. <laughs> but... The- there is a place called Salt Shed. It's like a sort of burger, sort of barbecue place. I, I think it's, um, oh, I don't know exactly where it is. It might be near Hackney. 
but it does this like salt beef brisket, like loaded fries, burgers. I'd recommend that if anyone's in the area. Okay, perfect. I didn't know yeah. if I, I couldn't think of a funny wrestling thing no, takeaway. That is absolutely fine. I just answered I just played it straight, that one. <laughs> I think it's nice to sometimes just, just straight bat it. <laughs> Chef? So when you look at me, you think, yeah, that guy, he eats a lot of takeaways. But you would be wrong. Oh, <laughs> you know. This mass has been accumulated at home. So yeah, don't tend to eat a lot of takeaways, to be honest. Eat a lot of Indian food at home already, which would probably be the go-to takeaway otherwise. So if you do get a takeaway, probably just get some sort of smash burger and chips. Keep it simple. Nice, nice. Josh? So maybe not like a favourite, but kind of combining wrestling and takeaways. I think it was the, whichever WrestleMania had the, the Undertaker Roman Reigns main event, I ordered two of the most biggest pieces I've ever seen in my life. Two of them, just for me. Uh, I had cookies, I had wedgies, I had chips. And I think it took me, not just the show, but I think it took me about the next Raw and the next SmackDown and still hadn't finished all the food. Why I insisted on ordering that much food. Uh, to be fair, that WrestleMania was particularly long. It was in that time when WWE were doing like seven-hour WrestleManias. So yeah. it was basically like two different meals in that time. I'm surprised um, you didn't finish it during the Undertaker's entrance. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had two pizzas before he got to the ring, and yeah. afterwards I only had one. You've clearly never been to Scotland because they just caught a munchie box there. <laughs> <laughs> we we once one year before I moved up to London, we were watching WrestleMania, and we did actually cook a Chicago Town pizza in the time it takes Undertaker to walk to the ring, uh, just <laughs> like a uh, as a test to see how long he was taking. Uh, which I then made into a sign for when I went to WrestleMania. It's like a pizza in an oven as a man walked down a ramp. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Okay, we move on to the next one, which is from my new housemate, Mitch Freely. And he asks, because of his ongoing love-hate relationship with Val Venus, who he used to feel was his favourite wrestler of all time and now finds it hard to bear him, what are your thoughts on wrestlers who embrace conspiracy theories? <laughs> well, that, isn't that, aren't they um, got a promotion called Control Your Narrative? <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> I'll start with this one on, Josh. Um when you said conspiracy theories, I just went to Matt Letizia rather than any wrestlers. <laughs> same, um, same. Yep. But I think, like, not my favourite gimmick, I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of prefer... Yeah, I, I think just kind of don't, maybe. Yeah. Kind of don't say certain things. We've just got rid of Tyrus from wrestling, thank fuck. So, yeah, if we could keep the crazy people out of wrestling, that would be great. I quite enjoy a conspiracy theory from the likes of Ambrose, Bo Dallas, the late Bray Wyatt. And they were all into the more kind of like wacky side of things, the aliens and the Bigfoots. I don't mind yeah, that. I, I quite like the Talking Smack episode where Daniel Bryan tried to paint AJ Styles as a flat earther. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he needed to paint him as it. I think he just is it. <laughs> Shaft- I, th- I, I think it's kind of funny that... Josh actually mentioned Tyrus because when he was talking about being happy that Leicester are top of the championship, I was thinking that they pretty much are the equivalent of Tyrus being NWA champion. Whoa, whoa, um, whoa, whoa. But as conspiracies go, I actually probably the, the be- one of the best things he's ever done. Our truth 2012 conspiracy, him and the Miz against the locker room. Like that was awesome. You yeah, know, so good. you know, as long as it's in the show and not just people being mental outside of the show, then I think it's fine. Yeah. Do not blur the lines, lads. <laughs> One of um, the best conspiracy theories I've ever heard, from what my, which my uncle told me, because he used to live in Sweden when he used to work out there, 
is that he's a lot of Swedish people are convinced that the 1958 World Cup never happened because no one can remember it. That's amazing. But it was in Sweden, and so yeah, there's this conspiracy theory in Sweden that the 1958 World Cup was just made up. That's a great one. I like that. So it's a bit like the um, first ever intercontinental title match. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm an ass man. Next up, we've got ourselves more of a statement rather than a question from LOH's Daniel Bassett. Brian Danielson is the best ever and it isn't even close. Every other view is wrong and to say there are more box office successful characters is off topic, albeit correct. I've said on this podcast a few times, I think he's the greatest professional wrestler to ever do it. I don't know if it's not even close. I wouldn't go that far. Uh, But the first part of the statement is definitely true, I'd say. I'll leave Shaft to last as it's his buddy. JCH? I mean, this bloke, CM Punk. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) No, very talented wrestler. I say that. I mean, I think it is a, there's not, if you're not using like box office as a um, metric, as a as a measuring stick, then it's a a subjective opinion. So I don't think you can really say all of us are wrong. I mean, because it's not a measurable, a a metric to to measure, is it? It's It's just someone's opinion. So well, I can, you know, I, I definitely have him up there, um, one of the best. I don't think I think you've got you've got to be open to discussion though, even if you don't believe it. So yeah, yeah that's my opinion on it. Shaf, what a lot of people don't know about Daniel Thirty Eight from Tullamore is that he doesn't actually dress himself in the morning. So I think we should disregard his opinion completely. Who does dress yeah, him? I, well, I don't know. It just looks like he's falling in the laundry basket most days. To be fair. Um, I love Danielson. He's great. But I think, you know, you can't say that he's miles above of everyone else who's ever done wrestling. If you threw out a list of sort of Danielson, Omega, Osprey, HBK, Angle, Jumbo Saruta, Masawa, Kabashi, Brett, Okada, Tanahashi, Shingo, Liger. Okay. Like you could, if someone picked any of those as their favorite wrestler or thought they were the best, I wouldn't, you know, and no doubt I've missed probably a hundred names. Terry Funk. You know, I wouldn't really have an argument with that, but I don't think you can say he's by and large way better than everyone else, particularly as I would say that most of his peak was in WWE, um, which is not renowned as a work rate promotion. So how can you say someone is the greatest work rate wrestler of all time when most of his peak wasn't in a work rate promotion? And I think it's been fairly obvious from his time in AEW that his best work has actually been in the latter part of his career when the shackles have come off. Yeah, Dan. <laughs> sort your life out <laughs> what does everybody want next up we've got ourselves Kevin Williams who asks should wrestling promotions fetch back more cartoon characters back in the day that is what made wrestling magic I knew Tugboat wasn't a real Tugboat and he probably couldn't even swim but he was a mega <laughs> character and that made me tune in. I think we need these gimmicks back as every fan is almost 40 now. JCH, let's start with you on this one. It's interesting. This is aimed at you first because your favourite character is currently a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> is his mum a dinosaur or his dad? <laughs> Don't mention his dad with Christian around. Jesus. Yeah. I think, I mean, this sounds like something you'd, you'd like, Ross. Go on then. 
Uh, <laughs> it, it sounds like a, an idea you'd like, I think. Oh, right, yeah. yeah with sort of NXT 2.0. And I don't think that myself, I think at this time, as a fan, you want something a bit more relatable. I think maybe for a younger audience, it might be what they crave or what grabs you in. But I think to make someone stick around... You sort of need something with a little bit more. You can get a bit your teeth into a little bit more, isn't it? Like, I mean, this guy's a tax man. I'm not sure I'm really going to cut it in a. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, so yeah, for me, I'd go the other way. And um, yeah, some like thinking of like relatable characters at the moment. Some like Eddie Kingston. He's like the opposite of that, isn't he? And he's one of the most popular people who who fans get behind. And I think he's coming at it from yeah. completely the opposite end of the spectrum uh, than of uh, a sort of cartoon gimmick type thing. So what you're saying is that Brum shouldn't start his wrestling career as a tax man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd watch Brummit do it. <laughs> Same. But what if his theme music was, yeah, I'm a tax man. <laughs> I think that would sell JCH. I'd be into that, yeah. That's fair. How about you, Shaf? I think wrestling should be a variety show. That's how I enjoy wrestling. It's fine to have, you know, big over-the-top characters and other people who are more grounded in realism. I don't think you need an extreme of one or the other. And whilst, yes, maybe we did really like Tugboat or we did really like those characters, a lot of the people are the same people watching now. And what you liked when you were five years old hopefully isn't the same as when you're 35, although we're still watching superstars from the 90s, so maybe (laughs) I've just undone my own point. But uh, yeah, I do get the argument. The characters, I think, from wrestling of yesteryear were certainly bigger than they are now. They had that larger-than-life quality about them. They were literally larger than life. A lot of wrestlers now, when we go to shows, you know, I'm only 5'11", and I'm bigger than probably 90% of the roster. But a lot of the things that made them, you know, larger-than-life characters without, you know, sort of getting too dark were also things that shortened their lives, you know, for, for a lot of them. So, yeah, I'm happy for there to be some sort of mix. Someone like Orange Cassidy has gotten over a character. I think something that is missing at the moment with Chris Statlander, she obviously came in as an alien, not to go back to the conspiracy theories. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> she came in with like a sort of alien character and she got over the nose boop. Yeah, yeah. Um, and at the moment, they've sort of taken all that away because they didn't really... It either didn't get over as they wanted or they didn't give it enough time to in the way that, say, Orange Cassidy's character has evolved over a a number of years. I think now that they've stripped that away, she's a good wrestler, you know, and much respect to her. But I'm not particularly interested in watching her because I don't know what her character is anymore. And I think that is a problem with uh, a lot of wrestlers. If they don't get booked into extensive storylines, you don't really know who they are. So I can understand the value in having clearly defined uh, large and life characters for certain people on the roster yeah fair from my point of view just going on the wrestling that we watch live the british wrestling scene there's definitely a lot of character work that needs to be praised from the likes of spike Gervais and tate mayfairs and charles crowley big fan of that but i'm also a big fan of the luke jacobs of the world and as you say variety is the perfect word for pro wrestling and if you can mix it all together you're into something good josh yeah, going on what you guys have said, really. After the show yesterday, I congratulated uh, Gene Money on his match he had in Leicester recently against a bear, which I thought was quite <laughs> entertaining. So I think everything can be done in a certain <laughs> context and a certain promotion. My favourite wrestler of all time, his gimmick at one point was he was a, a demon who then got burnt alive and came back from the dead. Uh, and we were all just meant to sit there and go, OK, that's perfectly normal. So I think everything in moderation is fine. Watching wrestling in general, you kind of have to suspend your disbelief a little bit. So I think it's just, yeah, if if it's good, it's fine. And then if it's crap, rather not. I think 
Ross, one of mine and your favourite shows is NXT and I think yep. largely gets over on its character work. I think a few of the people who are doing quite well on the roster have kind of developed and changed their character a little bit. I don't think Tiffany Stratton is as heavily leaning into the fact her dad buys everything for her anymore. Yeah. Um, I think obviously we've had Thea Hale who was kind of like the over-enthusiastic schoolgirl and she's kind of gone down a dark side and what that does for her character. And like Shafi mentioned about Chris Statlander. So I think sometimes it, it, it's difficult to say really because it depends on the, the situation. But yeah, I think a good balance is uh, what's best, I think. But Josh actually highlighted a very important point there. And that is, how can Brian Danielson be the best wrestler ever when he only talks about wrestling bears, but Gene Money's actually done it? <laughs> yes. Love it. Strike two on Dan there. Let's see if we can get to strike three by the end of the show. <laughs> Just quick, uh, following up on what you guys have said, the sort of characters you've described are, again, I think more like realistic character people that and you know, and having a personality trait and like have specific personalities or like things that you can you can actually imagine being real as opposed to a guy being a boat you know, I, <laughs> I, I don't know if he was actually supposed to be a boat um you know he wasn't boaty mcboat pace um <laughs> But I mean, if we're talking about characters and places in the show, you know, someone like Danhausen is pure character yeah. and his place in the card, I appreciate is obviously out at the moment, but it's the perfect place for that type of character. And that's kind of how I feel about comedy and wrestling in general. You know, if it's in the right place and it has the right tone, then it adds something to wrestling as opposed to take away from it, despite it perhaps having its detractors. Some of the, like the best moments from watching uh, or attending old progress shows we're seeing things like uh, the No Fun Police. You used to love the um, Wasteman Challenge as well, didn't you? Yeah, I did. You know, so if it's in the right place on the card, it adds something. And for example, we've spoken about the Adam Cole stuff, two brilliant segments this week with Cole and MJF uh, yeah. on Dynamite. I think if it has the right tone, there's a fine line between brilliant, enjoyable comedy and wrestling and wrestle crap. And I think if something's clearly very cheesy and is played seriously, then it, it can go over really poorly. But if there's a little bit of a wink at the camera and we're all kind of in on the joke, as opposed to the joke being on the audience, it adds something and it go can go a lot further. Yeah, really well answered, really well answered. But do you think that these characters, that the people who are doing these characters, there's almost a limit to where they can go? But someone like Dan Housen, for example, who I've found incredibly entertaining during his last run, but there seems to me there's like a, it's going to take a lot a lot, a lot of work if you're ever going to take him seriously at the top of a car. Well, they, they had that one time where he went to, like, Dark Danhausen, but then he only did it for the one time. And I thought that was going to be his thing from then on, but he only did it the once. So, I don't know, maybe he could dip back into that at some point if needs be. But, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Whilst everyone aspires to be a world champion, not everyone is going to be. And yeah. I don't think you make the best roster by having 60 main eventers. You yeah, need yeah, people right. who yeah. are great in the opening match, people who, you know, add things in segments throughout. And I would argue that without the character, Dan Housen wouldn't be as far along as he is. Um, so his spot is fine. You know, we look to the attitude area. We talk about things like Mr. Ass. Obviously, a lot of us have just watched wrestlers on Netflix. Al Snow is remembered more for running around with a mannequin head than he is for, you know, any of the bangers yeah. he may have had before. Bang on. Yeah, Bang. Yeah, yeah. Very right, very right. So let's move on from cartoon gimmicks and move to Hulk Hogan's Celebrity Championship Wrestling. 
<laughs> I saw this one. <laughs> was hoping it'd come up. Dan Slater asks, That show was terrible, but of course I watched every episode. Which eight celebrities would you include, men and women, for the first WSBF version? So there's four of us, so we get two picks each. Let's start off with Josh for his first pick. Trump. He's had some wrestling experience, I guess. And I'd quite like to see him get beat up. I think he'd be an easy top heel as well. Yeah. Probably a good promo. Maybe like not it. for his own benefit, but <clears throat> yeah, probably a good promo. So that's number one. JCH, let's move to you for number two. So what's, what's the show? It's like a, so it's like The Apprentice, but of wrestling sort of thing, yeah? No, it's literally like they learned how to wrestle and then they did a match. Okay, so like a dance with the stars or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, okay. First pick is going to be uh, Steve McFadden. <laughs> Great. Uh, he'd, he'd have a good little bit of character. Um, I think it's real bad that you broke up a tag team there. <laughs> well, am I allowed to pick, am I allowed to pick uh, Ross Kemp as a, as a duo? I didn't want to use both my picks in one go. This is like uh, when the Dudleys got drafted. <laughs> I can have Steve McFadden and Ross Kemp as a tag team. Yeah. And I'm, I'd like I mean, to have that as my first pick. Yeah. I think that's fair. That is a fantastic pick. I'll go with number three, which is. I want Louis Theroux to bring back his Waldo gimmick from the WSW episodes that he did. <laughs> Can you tell us what this gimmick was, Ross? The Waldo gimmick? Yeah. So, well, <laughs> this is when uh, he went to the power plant in 99, I think. And they made him come up with a wrestling gimmick and he came up with Waldo. And <laughs> it wasn't really a gimmick. It was just basically Louis Theroux. And he did the uh, promo where he was like, Waldo's the name and wrestling's the game. <laughs> <laughs> and his promo wasn't terrible. His promo wasn't terrible, but his physical attributes were poor. <laughs> Shaffy? So I'm going to go a bit more serious and I'm going to draft two people at the same time. And the reason for this is I would pick Anthony Joshua and Tyson Ooh. Fury. And the reason is because I think I don't think ITV has done a good job of presenting wrestling since World of Sport. They had the opportunity before NXT UK to really do something big and they dropped the ball massively. So I would love to have a serious wrestling show or at least show serious aspects of wrestling and to get the one of the best boxers ever and one of the most athletic heavyweight boxers ever who already happen to have a built-in feud in there doing wrestling training, showing an audience that don't really understand wrestling, just how hard the training is, I think would get across the legitimacy of, of the art form. And of course, then you would have the back and forth between Fury and Joshua and all of that. So that's, I would, I would spend all my budget on that and yeah, maybe just fill out the rest with, I don't know, Saved by the Bell rejects or something. <laughs> I love the fact that you've got all these boxing promoters that can't get these two to be in the same room, but <laughs> WSPF, make it happen. I love it. You know, Josh is going to make ITV great again with Trump, so it's true. <laughs> Josh? Uh, I'd like to pick former Wolverhampton Wanderers winger Adama Traore. Oh, yes, nice. Uh, I just think it's a it's an easy sell job for him to be a big star in the wrestling game. He already oils up like the wrestlers do. Yeah, I just think that's a slam dunk. And there's your possible top baby face. I like it. James, number seven. I'm going to go with quite a tough call. I think Paula Ratcliffe. Nice. Uh, long distance runner from the mid 2000s. Obviously, got endurance, got stamina. Might be able to have like an Iron Man match. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think she'd be interesting to see in it. And she shit herself during a race like uh, Sid at WrestleMania 13. <laughs> so she's got the pedigree. Yeah, booking her as Sid, Psycho Baller. <laughs> Psycho Baller. But then with, her head, the... with her head bobbing when she runs, she's a bit more like a D Lo Brown, isn't she? <laughs> 
Although after the podcast last week, I've kind of said to the guys on Sunday that I've kind of got my heart set on seeing Rob Van Dam versus Ian Bell soon. So I kind of want to see Ian Bell get traded up as well. <laughs> and I'll round it off with number eight. In the tradition of every British reality series, we're going to bring in the GC, Gemma Collins. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's move on to another reality series. don't know how many have watched this series, but the WWE Network show Legends House was on uh, around 2015, 16, I think. And it was actually brilliant. It was kind of like a version of Big Brother where they would live together and do activities. And it featured the likes of Roddy Piper, Tony Atlas, Howard Finkel, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, etc., etc. So it's kind of an 80s era. So Dan Slater also asked who we would bring into Legends House. Let's just pick one each for this one. I think it would be fantastic to see just how grouchy Bret Hart is. <laughs> Stick him in a house with other wrestlers. Find out just why he thinks life is four out of ten. JCH. So if I can pick more than one, I want Punk, Omega, Jacksons, <laughs> Jack Perry, FTR, and then we can all see it happen live. <laughs> uh, but if I'm only allowed one, uh, Zach Gibson. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's bloody hilarious. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to spend more time with him, just listening to his, some of his stories. And I think he, he'd interact pretty well with uh, other people. Yeah, definitely. And he could also say baseball bat to um, oh, Bret Hart because he used to carry one in WWE. <laughs> what are you doing here with a baseball bat? Wrong <laughs> <laughs> um, I never thought I'd uh, say this, but I want to hear more from JCH. Um, I I quite like his first idea of CM Punk and FTR and all that in one house, but I think you'd have to make it more like Survivor. And when I say Survivor, I mean Lord of the Flies. Um, So you 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 mix them up into two teams, so they actually have to work with each other. And whichever team loses, I don't know gets like rations or something for that day. I gets fed to Larry. Gets fed to Ace Yeah, yeah, gets fed to Ace But in the spirit of the game, you've got Gibson there, you've got Brett, who you said you want to know how grouchy he is, so it seems only right to throw in Sami Zayn, who apparently is the most annoying oh, man yes. in wrestling. <laughs> so let's just see how long Brett can last. Josh, let's see who you can end this with. <laughs> My mind keeps going back to Brock Lesnar. <laughs> okay. I just think he's I think he's just as likely to F5 Sami Zayn as he is to F5 Bret Hart <laughs> yeah I like it he'd be better on that um, was it that one when Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie go and do like farm oh, jobs yeah. yeah like that that's a bit more yeah. less style the real <laughs> life the real life yeah <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on from reality TV and go to back home to Camden. With progress no longer on the WWE Network, are we going to see intergender matches? They are hinting at Drake versus L.A. Taylor, and it's perfectly normal to see these matches in promotions like GCW. That's from Jamie Reeve. Josh, you obviously touched on this earlier. I know some people don't like intergender wrestling, and I totally get why. I just kind of think with wrestling itself, I think intergender wrestling can work, just like any other match would work, as long as it kind of makes sense. So like, as we saw at the weekend, there was a bit of back and forth between L.A. Taylor and Rob Drake. I think if it's believable, like that match would be, I think L.A. Taylor is capable of beating up probably the majority of the Progress roster. I think that'd be a pretty fun match. 
I know in the past WWE kind of teased a little bit that Nia Jax was going to do some stuff. I know she did the Royal Rumble the one year. But I think, again, part of that was kind of just to bury Dean Ambrose on the way out. So I think if it's done and it makes sense, I know a lot of indie companies do it quite a lot. We've obviously had the famous scene in the past with Candice LeRae covered in blood, which is quite an iconic scene. So I think in the right context, it makes sense. And if progress can come up with a storyline like they seem to be touching upon that makes sense, then yeah, I'd be all for it. Staff, where are you on progress doing intergender? So the first London show I ever saw was just under 21 years ago, 21 years uh, next month. And on that, they had an intergender match. Uh, Nikita, also known as Winter, Katie Lee Birchall, had a match with Paul Travell on that. And I, I've never had an issue with intergender wrestling. I think there is a difference between intergender wrestling and gratuitous violence against women. And I feel like wrestling doesn't always understand that. But I don't see why it should be an issue. You know, if we can uh, see all other types of mismatches, then there's no reason why, you know, if Rey Mysterio can be world champion in a promotion with people like Carly and Big Show and other giants, then why why can a woman not wrestle a man? I don't really see the issue. Nice. And JCH? I think, yeah, I think Shafi said it pretty uh, succinctly there. What I would say is if you, I think if you're into, like, and this goes back to um, Conman's conversation with CJ Carter when he said he wasn't going to bring in a women's title and he wanted to, because uh, women would be able to win the, the Ignite title. I can't remember what it's yeah. words, but he said something along those lines, basically. If when you've already got an established women's division, I think it, it sort of muddies it a little bit more, if that makes sense. Whereas a lot of these companies where it, where it is happening already, and there's they have women will win the the main titles, I think. But there's not a separate division where you've already sort of made that bed, and you've sort of got to get out of it somehow, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, perfect sense. I know that we went to a lot of those IWL shows, and I really enjoyed the agenda matches in that setting. So I would love to see yeah. it in progress as well. Next up, we've got Joseph Foster, who first says, my six-year-old brother has requested a shout-out. His name is Harrison, and he would probably try and fight Brock Lesnar. So shout-out to Harrison for having the ghoul to fight Brock Lesnar. Fair play to you, lad. His question is, if you were to create a wrestling show only using matches from the past, what would be the semi and main event? So I took this as... Um, only using matches from the past? like Yeah, so were, like... Were we going to book matches from the future? well we did on our fantasy booking one yeah (laughs) (laughs) so i took this as like the classic you need your kind of call off match before the big main event so for me i took that as that's the way to go and for me the best call off match of all time is a match that shafi mentioned on the facebook page recently that was the Survivor Series match of Lawlers versus Doinks, 1994 Survivor Four, Series, I yeah. think it was. Yeah. One of the best times ever, just watching that match when I was six, seven years old and just having the best time. So that match followed by, I'm going to go with my favorite match ever, which I think is Brett versus Stone Cold at WrestleMania 13. Josh? So I think, and I think it actually might have been the semi-main of the, of the pay-per-view, actually, was Orange Cassidy's first match in AEW. I think he'd been on TV pretty much since Dynamite started, hadn't wrestled a single match, and he had this absolute masterpiece with Pac, who just got so increasingly frustrated that this guy was just taking the absolute mick out of him. This is way before Orange Cassidy was like the workhorse that he's turned into. 
And the crowd were absolutely in disbelief that this guy could actually wrestle, which if you heard of Orange Cassidy pre-AEW, you knew that he could very much wrestle. But I just thought that match on its own was just an absolute masterpiece in terms of nice. doing exactly what it needs to, being the perfect stopgap between one match and the uh, the main event. So I'd probably pick that for my kind of precursor to the main event. And then on the same lines that you were thinking, Ross, I think I would go for the uh, two out of three falls match between Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano, where Gargano won the Ooh. NXT title. Perfect choice. Love it. Shafi, will, will I go to you so that uh, James can think of two CM Punk matches? <laughs> <laughs> it's a hell of a question, isn't it? Not to get too deep into the philosophy of wrestling. I think that as my semi-main, I would probably choose something much more recent and just choose, say, Willie Hobbs versus Miro from All Out. Nice. Um, meaty. Very meaty. And then choose something completely different in the main, possibly... Omega versus Okada one. I know oh, that people I'm... might think two or three or whatever is better, but for me that was just I don't know a, a wrestling breaking match. Um, yeah. It just completely redefined expectations of what wrestling could be. So I I would choose that as as number one, even though I... it might not technically be the best match. I'm going to take that as the third strike up against Brian Danielson. <laughs> <laughs> James? So I'm going to put in my semi-main a match, I'm not sure match is the right word, from uh, White Eagle Hall where me and 90s went to WrestleMania in New York, uh, where it was a dodgeball match and MJF <laughs> was, came out with the dodgeball. Uh, they, did, they did captains, they picked teams, he got picked last, he literally picked up his ball and walked out. I can't remember, I can't remember who else was in the match, but he was brilliant. I think that would be a good little um, palate yep. cleanser. Yeah. Uh, and then my main event is going to be Arisa Hashiki v. Tam Nakano in nice. the Wonder of Star. I guess I get the Stardom title mixed up. Wonder of Stardom title match from 2019, I think, uh, which is like a match like I said, I don't really go back and watch matches again. And that's one I've gone back and watched at least three times. I watched it a couple of weeks ago just to see if it still held up. It was still awesome. So, yeah, that's what I'd go with my main. Love it. I love that you went back to your stardom days. Brilliant stuff. Next up is a question that's pretty uh, loaded with <laughs> the conversations that we've been having offline. This is from Wrestling With Whiskey, and he asks, what's the best length to a decent feud? <laughs> wow. Josh, let's start off with you on this one. Like you said, I think it's a pretty loaded question. I think, you know, we've seen feuds and storylines that go on for whole careers. I think in terms of a continuous one, I think it's just down to how long they can you know, sustain the interest of people and how long it makes sense for. With some feuds, there's a very obvious ending. And I guess once you get to that point, it's difficult to see what goes on forward. I think time and time again in wrestling, for different reasons, we can often see feuds and storylines kind of halted in the middle. You know, I think a recent example, which I know will touch at Ross's heart, is Mustafa Ali, who I think was going to win the North American title at some point. And then yeah. he's just gone. And then that storyline is completely stopped. He was also um, obviously really hamstrung in the main roster as well, where he was supposedly the person that was going to be doing Kofi Mania, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So I think the answer to that question is you can't really give it an answer because I think each feud and each storyline kind of depends on who is in it and how long you can keep it going for. If there's an obvious destination, if like with Kofi Mania, the obvious ending of that storyline was whenever WrestleMania was. 
I think with other things, it can just go on until like with title reigns, for example, like we've got with Spike at the moment and with MJF and people like that. The end of the storyline is just whenever you decide to end it, which I know isn't really an answer. So here's a clear way to get an answer out of you, Josh. You're someone who plays the universe mode. Yes, I do. Your best feud, do you make it a four week, an eight week or a 12 week? Um, see, I'm kind of like, I try and get out of the the one criticism that I have for WWE at times is they do too many rematches. Okay. So I kind of, I'd probably lean on the side of a four week one, to be honest. Oh, there you go. Shorty. Yeah. I kind of think there's enough people on most rosters. You don't have to do the same match twice. I get with some matches, like you kind of need to do them again. If there's, you know, you can do a dodgy finish or this or that. But I think if you can keep it as short as possible and keep the matches as fresh as possible, I kind of think as a rule of thumb, that's the best way to go. I think that's fair. Shaf? So as a general feud, my favoured method would be sort of the the AEW method where they have five pay-per-views a year or six pay-per-views a year and they have a two-month build to a pay-per-view. Personally, I prefer that a lot more to a four-week build. I think you can do a lot more. It's allowed them to be more creative, which we saw in the build-up to All-In with MGF and Cole, where we just wouldn't have had any of that sort of character or story development if they would have done a four-week build. There's obviously rumours about AEW potentially going to 12 pay-per-views a year next year, just rumours at the moment, but that's something that I would personally be against. In terms of long-term stories, I think you need to have an endpoint before you start. And whilst you can deviate slightly based on things like crowd reaction, I think wrestling oft times has the same problem with popular TV shows where they don't really know when or how to end and then the quality ends up dipping. With Roman, his title reign, I appreciate lots of people love it. For me, he's defended the title, what, four or five times this year? He's defended the belt once since Mania. I find that problematic. It's not really what I want to see. I want to see the champion on TV. They don't have to be wrestling every week, but I want to at least see them defending the title more often. We've spoken about progress. I love Spike. You know, every time I'm on, I say how brilliant his pod was and how much it sold me on him. With that, he had a really long feud with Cara Noir, and he's then gone into a four-month, possibly longer. Uh, I imagine Lycos build was before he actually won Super Strong Star 16, but it's gone into at least a four-month program with Lycos that will possibly continue. Personally, I would just like a little bit of variety in between rather than go from long feud to long feud. You know, if he maybe had a one-off match in between against, say, an import, just to, you know, cleanse the palate, give everyone a chance to um, see him do something a little bit different before going into another long storyline. So, yeah, I think it depends on the promotion, the setting, and a lot of other things. But typically, I would tend towards a two-month build to a pay-per-view. That's ideal for me for wrestling, much like the old Big Four or Big Five. In yeah. And James? Uh, I Almost like forever. <laughs> in, you know you've got stuff like this I, I agree with what the guys have said i don't want them wrestling each other every month but I, when i used to play um extreme warfare avenger it was called and i'd literally i'd start a start my promotion i'd have this like you know stableton up someone would get booted out and they, they'd go on a run of terror and then a year later they'd finally get work their way up the card to um to get their moment and get the title against the person who sort of started that off all that time ago. Now I never got past about week two because that game's fucking long. Um, <laughs> but 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 like Jaffy said, I had the long term plan in my head. So it's there. So I like the stuff where you've got all these seeds setting and you don't have to interact every week. You go off and have your career and you go and work with other people. But you know, stuff like for ages you had stuff with like Owens and Zane. I know they 
wrestled a lot anyway. But then there was times they wouldn't go near each other for a while. But when they came back, there was still that either yeah. friendship or what was going on with them. Uh, something along the lines of that, I think. I think we you sort of get it with AEW. We've done it with Darby and MJF, like yep. harking back to like their their sort of rivalry going throughout their career. And Claudio um, and Kingston now. Claudio and Kingston is like obviously the the really long term one that's come up recently. And again, they didn't actually have a. Well, you know, they had that singles match last week. I think it was the first singles match they had. I believe um, I might be wrong there, but that's uh, but what I can remember. And I think those sort of storylines. So I think you can just have a few that last forever um, to an extent, but it doesn't have to be match, rematch, match, rematch. You know what I mean? There's ways of doing it. And when it's done successfully, there's always that sort of even stuff like with um, Samoa Joe and MJF, like just walk, talking back to like when he just give him the shoulder bars to remind him of what like seven years ago, whatever. And that yeah, sort of yeah. thing that you've got those when you're using things, you can call back on of things that have happened before. I think it's uh, an effective way. So you've those great feuds have always got, I think when it's as long as you don't go to them too much, you can go back every now and then and people still care. Yeah. Perfectly said, man. Perfectly said. Next up, we've got friend of the group, Harrison. Comes to a lot of progress shows with us. This is a question aimed purely at Dom, and he just asks, "Where's my desert island tape?" <laughs> <laughs> Which is something that Dom needs to get sorted. Really, all these people that have asked for their desert island uh, tape, he has to get the editing tools out and uh, sort that out for everyone. <laughs> well, have I missed this? So you know, in the mix a minute, there's the question at the end of yeah. who's your desert island wrestler. Yeah, yeah. So he just wants to have his tape. <laughs> Oh, so Dom's meant to like has told someone that he's going to he's told no, Harrison. No, 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 he <laughs> hasn't. No, he's just making a joke a bit. <laughs> right, sorry. Is that what they do in Desert Island Disc? Is it? They give him like a tape at the end. I've never listened to it. I don't think so. I think they just he's literally just. It's just I've just missed the joke and ruined it. Yeah, cool. uh, <laughs> you're that guy on Twitter. Yeah. Sorry, Harrison. I... <laughs> Uh, excuse me, that is not Vicky Guerrero. <laughs> <laughs> that is not Jeff Rotol. <laughs> Next up, we've got our mate from over the pond, Kyle Apronbump. He asks two questions. First up, what 90s wrestler would thrive in progress as it is today? Great question. 90s wrestler. I think I would go for Lord Stephen Regal. Oh, yeah. And I would love him to join Dominatus Regnum, uh, if that's the correct pronunciation. I apologize. I Rain- Look, I didn't do Latin like Spike, okay? Um <laughs> You know, but I think yeah, a a Lord Stephen Regal gimmick alongside Spike would be pretty awesome. Yeah, that would be great. Josh, I think I'm trying to think because I um, my mind more goes towards the silly side of stuff. <laughs> Maybe I would like to see kind of like sexual chocolate Mark Henry join up with Charles Crowley. <laughs> I mean, why not? <laughs> yeah, fuck it. Wrestling should be fun. Yeah. Twat chocolate. <laughs> sexual twat JCH I, I don't know whether it's copying a bit of the anti-fun police but I'm leaning towards them seeing the right to censor oh, yeah, 2000 so I'm not sure they count as 90s but um, that would be brilliant I think the right to censor would be entertaining especially with all the sort of language that gets used in progress they'd have plenty of things they can go after for the uh, yeah. FCC yeah I think my pick Nothing funny about it. Just I think that he'd be awesome in the ballroom. Would be Loose Cannon, Brian Pillman. I think that would just be loads of fun. Oof. Probably fit the former kind of progress stuff when it was punk rock progress and a bit more. But either way, he would be awesome. Uh, and his second question is: 
least favorite gimmick match. I'm going to go my least favorite gimmick matches are the awful 90s, 2000s female ones where it was just, you know, a gimmick based around taking someone's clothes off or a battle royal where they have to dress in a certain way. Just trash and can't really watch it back. Josh? I'd probably go the reverse battle royal that TNA did. Just like, why? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> JCH? Last man standing. It's Last man just standing. Like, it, it just, I, he was just so much waiting around, isn't there? I think... Yeah, it's, it's just, nah, get out. What about if it's a last man standing where it's all the progress boys who go to the shows and it's a three-day show and it's literally who can be the last man standing? Those are pretty good. Or just like from going to the bar so much. <laughs> pretty it's, much, yeah. It's literally super strong style weekend <laughs> every single year. Don't want again. <laughs> oh, why is Ross at the bottom of the stairs in his pants? <laughs> I'm just, I'm one just, time, right? yeah. I'm just, <laughs> whenever someone comes in and says, I'm not drinking today, then you, you, oh, just, yeah. know. you just know. And then about <laughs> third match in, they've got a beer in hand. <laughs> Chef, how about you? I think my least favorite gimmick match would probably be anything that doesn't involve tables, but still elicits a We Want Tables chant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, great chant. Like they have a death match, they kill each other. Let's have a table out. It's like no, like just just sit down, and watch. This guy's bleeding everywhere. Why do you need a table? It's stupid. <laughs> Agreed. Next up, we've got ourselves drunk Uncle Scissors, our mate Tony from the Shopmaster Mind quizzes, and also on Twitter. He asks, how much ass would a daddy ass of a daddy ass would ass ass? <laughs> That's not the sort of question I would answer to my drunk uncle Tony, the master of scissoring. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that, like, like this one's just purely aimed at you, James. Yeah, I'm not, I can't quite work out. A lot of ass, I think, is the answer. Yep, I think that's perfectly valid. <laughs> More ass than a toilet seat. 265 pounds of 60-year-old ass. Also, to throw it back to previous episodes of Wrestling Should Be Fun, just to confirm, it's green with pink lips that's your favourite, right? (laughs) No, pink with green lips, no? Pink with green lips. (laughs) (laughs) I really hope we're talking about attire right now. Next up, we've got ourselves Handsome Nick, who also took part in this year's Shop Mastermind Challenge in the Wicker's Link. He asks the simple question of what's your favourite finisher? We'll start with Josh. I think I think it's probably the modern day equivalent of the, the stunner, which is the RKO. I just think it's a it's one of the only finishes I can think of where every time it's hit, the crowd just go mental for it. And I think if you can achieve that in wrestling, and it's one of those finishes that he can pretty much do on anyone. You know, there were certain moves like if it's a power based move or whatever, you're going to struggle to do to certain people. And I just love it. And I think when it's hit great, it's hit in different ways. It's just really cool. It's pretty easy to do, but at the same time, it's uber effective. So, yeah, I'd, I'd go for the RKO. Nice. JCH? Big knee. Yeah, easy. Every it's time. Uh, I say like the Hashiki big knee is one of the one of the big jumping knee is one of my favorites. Yeah, and then she actually used it as a finish, as one of her finishes, which most people, it's more of a setup. Obviously, Danielson's got a knee finish. 
But yeah, anything involving a big knee that is a finisher is uh, up there. And I think Hashiki's was my favourite. Good call. I think I'm going to trump Josh a little bit by going with the tag team version of the RKO. I think the 3D is up there. I think the 3D is fantastic. Shaf? Going to go slightly out there and go submission and say uh, ankle lock, but specifically uh, Shamrock and Angle. Both guys were brilliant at putting over an ankle lock. Shamrock was around, what, 97, 98? So we were maybe 10, 11. Yeah. That guy was scary. Like, that guy was so <laughs> yeah. intense, you know, like he looked like he was breaking people's ankles. And then obviously when Angle had his haircut and went down Psycho Angle route, his ankle lock was brilliant. It was vicious. I think he's the only guy to tap out. I think he tapped out Taker, HBK, Hogan. Um, it was just a brilliant storytelling device. That match with HBK when he finally tapped, so, so good. So slightly different from the others. I enjoy an impactful finish, but... Angle's ankle lock particularly was just added to matches so well. Great take. No chance, so that's what you got. Next up, we've got ourselves Rob Reed from the Raw Take, and he asks, your favourite current wrestling storyline? JCH, I'm assuming that yours is Luchasaurus. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I was speaking to, uh, we didn't get to it and what the nerds were watching. I was speaking to Dom, uh, I think it was before Mike and Josh had arrived, about the Luchas. I don't know if you guys seen Collision. I haven't. Yeah. Do you mind if I spoil it? No, yeah, you go ahead. Yeah. yeah. So basically, in the triple threat, it's OC and Luchasaurus and, and Christian. Shap, have you seen it, mate? I know you could you'll watch it. No, you're fine, but I think it was Darby as opposed to OC. Darby, sorry. Yeah. Apologies. Yeah. And they had this bit when I can't remember if Christian or Darby tried to use the title and Luchasaurus picks it up and they're like, it's the first time he's ever held the title. And he has this moment with it. And then it obviously ends up with Christian gets the title back off him. Um, but it, like, yeah, that storyline is fantastic. Yeah. Um, I think my favourite probably one at the moment is actually more, is probably Swerve and Hangman. I think Swerve's been killing it. Or the real life story of CM Punk versus the world is also very enjoyable in a different way. Josh? I think my favourite storyline at the minute is actually quite a serious one, um, and I'm really happy that they're bringing awareness to it, and that's neck health. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I think it's quite a serious issue, and I'm really pleased that Tony Khan has booked that angle with Roddy Strong, and I think it's an important issue to uh, raise awareness of. Love it. Absolutely love it. Shaf? Yeah. I mean, I was going to go the same direction as Josh. Dynamite last week was so, like, Roderick Strong. Where has this guy come from? I mean, obviously, as a wrestler, he's been around for a long time. He's been brilliant, but where has his character work come from? And I think Dynamite this week was his peak. He was so funny. Like, I enjoy wrestling, and I appreciate when it's funny, but I don't really laugh out loud. But he had me twice, you know, first pretending to be blind. You know, Adam, Adam, where are you? I'm here, Roddy. Like, where's here? Open your (laughs) eyes. Like, it just just cracked me up. And then at the end where uh, Adam Cole had to leave and he just had this really noisy hospital bed that just slowly rose, it was... Just brilliant comedic timing. So I, I've really enjoyed that. I mean, shout out to Swerve and uh, Hangman as well. That's something that I've also been enjoying. So, and obviously just the the face run of MJF in general and the way it's interconnecting into all these different storylines with Samoa Joe, The Kingdom, Adam Cole, Roderick Strong. It's just brilliant stuff every week. Good stuff. I think mine is WWE bringing my girl back, Nia Jackson, just watching her killing all the ladies. <laughs> God love her. Next up, Dan Massey asks, how influential do you think a wrestler's theme is to their success? 
JCH, I feel like you've got a big take on this one. <laughs> yeah, I think having like a good theme, like a recognisable theme, just helps that initial pop. And like, basically, you've got a sing-along thing that people want to get behind, stuff like I think it's really helped something like the acclaimed. can really help with that character, but you still got to be able to go. So I think it, it's impactful, but I wouldn't say it's the major point. I don't know, maybe like a 20% starter, maybe? A little leg up. I bloody love the music, though. And then a lot of people, like, you know, something like All uh, all In, where we were, when you're struggling to see the ring so much, it's like the entrances and that are the, the, almost the highlight. Obviously, I know Shaft was at a bit better view, but just that pop for the entrances when you're at a big show is is incredible, and that's one of the best parts about going to live stadium shows, I think. Yeah. Shafi? So I've done the maths on this, and I think it's 10% luck, 20% skill, 15% concentrated power of will, 5% <laughs> pleasure, 50% pain, and 100% reason to remember the theme song. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, um, we obviously have been going to indie shows, Progress, for a long, long time. And Progress, the atmospheric Progress, in some ways, was never better than when they were using licensed music. That's something that I personally loved. It really added to the character of the wrestlers. And even though that isn't necessarily my music scene, I think when Roy Johnson came out to gigs, I loved that. Like it was something that I could speak to. Like when I was younger, I, I worked in Peckham, which is Giggs's hometown as such. So yeah, I think it does make a massive difference. And when Progress, just using them as an example, had to stop using licensed music, the reaction went from, yeah, this guy's coming out, to whose music is this? And, yeah. you know, sort of look like who's coming out because you weren't really sure. And it just got a completely different vibe. And it's not the wrestler's fault at all, not even the promotion's fault. Completely understandable, but it just did have a different effect. A good theme can get you over. Obviously, it's then your skill, your talent, your abilities in the ring that are going to carry you to the next level. But I was trying to think about it. And is there any sort of top tier star in wrestling history that you can think of with a bad theme? They all seem to have pretty iconic music. Yeah, it's a good one. There's also lots of average wrestlers that have got great music that elevate them big time. Yeah. Some guys yesterday at Progress were literally singing all the words to Bad Times Are Coming. The, and the they, to be fair, they knew, and they knew all of Darice's uh, song. They knew all the They were brilliant. They were stood right next to us. They were really, really new. They knew every word to every song. It was very impressive. Give them a shout out. Shout out to the guys that know the words. I am terrible at lyrics. I... And so- someone <laughs> told me yesterday that that Swerve might be getting Shaka Khan back. Oh wow, oh, that would be amazing. Um, I'm not sure it fits his current character. Oh. Well, I'm not sure that she fits into the group. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't agree with that at all. Prince Nana and Shaka Khan, like that's gold, <laughs> gold. Is she going to do the dance as well? <laughs> Book it, TK. Okay, we've got two more. This is from Imesh Gadvi, who says, Who of the recently released wrestlers do you see doing a Lashley slash McIntyre run on the indies leading to a return to the WWE? I think the one with the most potential to do that is probably Elias, in terms of ability to get over with the crowd, his actual build, his look. Like, he's... I, I'm kind of surprised that he hasn't gone further because it was kind of hidden uh, when he was doing his live singing. But the dude's massive. He's a big dude. Uh, the same with Boogs, to be fair. Like, they are both real built guys. You would think 
purely from an aesthetic point of view, they would be WWE material all day long. So either of those guys have got the potential to go out there and reestablish themselves, maybe tweak the gimmick slightly and come back with a lot more hype. That's a great shout. Josh? I think I'm kind of going to go for the slam dunk ones. I think Mustafa, he could have a good match with pretty much anyone he wants. I think him and Dolph are the two who I look at and say, I think they could have their pick of wrestling companies to go to if they wanted to go and do the indies and do dream matches all over the place. I think either of them could. If they wanted to just sign a big contract with AEW, I think they both could. Uh, I think Dolph's someone who I don't think it's it would be absolutely like, because he had it and he said it himself at times. Dolph Ziggler could be in the WWE title feud one week. You'd not see him for a few weeks after that. And then he'd be, I don't know, opening the show. I think if Dolph Ziggler came back in two or three years and was immediately challenging for the world title, I don't think it's completely unimaginable for that to happen. If he was to do that in that meantime, before going back to WWE, and he just kind of does, like you said, a Drew McIntyre or a Lashley and just goes around different places and stuff. But yeah, I, I think I'd probably go for either Dolph or uh, Mustafa Ali. How about you, James? I'm struggling to think of who, how many people got released. I think Shafi saying Boogs was a good shout, but then I did see he was sort of like burning some bridges on his way out. So, yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, I'm not, so I don't, I, I see Ali as being someone who can um, go out and make a career elsewhere. I'm not sure going back would be on his radar. So to get back to that level, like a McIntyre and Lashley are both been like world champions level, isn't it? So Someone's yeah. going to go back into WWE and become a world champion. I don't really see that from the likes of a Ali or a, or a Dolph so much. Yeah, I, I think Boogs had a lot of potential. So yeah, maybe maybe Boogs. I know Nighty's Mike is a big fan, big big fan. For me, a pair of wrestlers who I think have already utilised social media brilliantly post releases Mansoor and Masse. I don't know if you've been been watching their videos, but yeah. they're fantastic how they're detailing some of the fun things that, that were going on in their time when the WWE, whether it be the B-roll footage that that never aired, so you got to see their creativity, or even talking through uh, moments that happened on air. I don't know if you saw the footage where they were talking about the uh, lunchbox with the sandwich in it. Did any of you see that? No. So that basically it was a SmackDown, and Marseille <laughs> had their lunchbox that had a, a like chicken sandwich in it, and the idea being that Braun would come in, brush past them both in that like train way, like burst past them, the sandwich box would fall onto the floor. He would open it up and there would be a sandwich in it and he would eat it in front of the camera and that would be like the big <laughs> pop. But <laughs> Braun's obviously so big and so strong that he just knocked them both completely flying and the lunchbox <laughs> flew into the crowd and and, and and someone just took the lunchbox. <laughs> and, Braun's, and Braun Strowman's just looking around in the rampway looking for this <laughs> lunchbox. It's so good. <laughs> Yeah, so if you get the chance to watch their videos, it's uh, well worth your time. And I think that with their personality and charisma, they're going to be big online. And they could well do like a Cardona-type run in the Indies, maybe, because they're just a lot of fun. And last but not least, we've got friend of the group, Clint McCormick, big baggy fan. He's asked a fantastic question that I actually think is going to be worthwhile doing a roundtable on its own, potentially next week. Which the question is, what is the best card you can put together from matches you've seen in person this year, but not use people more than once? So, for example, we wouldn't be able to use two Spike Trebate matches. So I think this is something that we can really get our teeth into and make our own cards almost next week based on the live shows that we've been to. But just to give people a little indication to what that would be, what's a match that comes off the top of your head that you've seen live that you think has to be on that card? 
I'll start with you, James. Uh, yeah, I'm opening with Punk Joe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like the best, it's one of my favourite matches I've ever seen. Yeah. Okay. And perfectly valid because it was fantastic. Uh, Josh? Just double checking if it was actually this year because I feel like I've watched a lot of wrestling. But yeah, I'm going to go for uh, Tom Dawkins versus Spike Gervais. I just thought it was fucking great. Was that the, the one, one where, when Dawkins one won and watched. then he got the yeah. um, mask back, right? Yes, we remember that one, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just thought it was absolutely perfectly booked uh, and perfectly built up to obviously the cage match that followed. Yeah, yeah I just thought it was great. Amazing match. Chef? I mean, the obvious one for me is MJF Cole, uh, main event at Wembley. But I, another one that I will 100% be on my card is Luke Jacobs yep. versus <laughs> Tomohiro Ishii from uh, the Rev Pro show the day before. That was so good. Jacobs is obviously on the rise. He's got some brilliant matches coming up. Uh, he was obviously supposed to have a couple of big matches in October. I don't know if they're all still going ahead, but he's got Kenta, I believe, up north next month. Yeah, and that so, should be um, brilliant. OTT, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so that should be a brilliant match. Kenta versus Luke Jacobs. He's got a match on Royal Quest as well. I'm not going to butcher his opponent's name, but that's going to be brilliant too. Is that Yoda Suji? Yeah. That is, yeah, that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> So that also will be brilliant. It feels like a bit of a breakout year for Luke Jacobs in general. And hopefully he can continue that momentum because I feel like he's at a place where in six months' time he'll be able to carry a promotion if he's booked right and his character is is treated the correct way. Because in the ring, he's got it. I think he's exciting. I think All In Weekend was an eye-opener for a lot of people. And he's the type of wrestler that could get the sort of buzz that will get people to go to indie wrestling shows. Yeah, he's amazing. I will never forget that uh, match that we that we made. Look, not not made you watch because <laughs> you were obviously at the show. But um, <laughs> was it Big Guns Joe that you first saw it him was, against? Yeah, the first match I ever saw Luke Jacobs was against Big Guns Joe, and yeah. I'm a little bit surprised, considering all the heat there's been about you know fights backstage and stuff like that, that Jacobs didn't get arrested for murder after that match. <laughs> <laughs> He killed Big Guns Joe. I actually it almost became uncomfortable to watch at the end. Yeah. Um I was I was gonna go and, you know, throw my shirt in or something just to just to try <laughs> and slow him down. Um <laughs> I haven't seen Big Guns Joe since. Um I mean I hope he's okay. There's um, no proof. There is no proof know, that he exists. He you know, hopefully he's maybe he's taken up another profession. Maybe he's a teacher or you know, he's working in a petrol station now, and that's probably for the best if he's going to be in the vicinity of Luke Jacobs anytime soon. <laughs> yes. I will probably make sure that the clock strikes midnight match is on my card. I thought that was fantastic. So thank you to everyone who sent in their questions for Fucking Bullshit. Wrestling Should Be Fun, episode 109. And we are going to be moving into a new territory here by having a wrestling recollection from a wrestling should be fun follower and this is someone that i believe you're friends with shaf so you could give a little introduction to it is that right yes so uh, a guy called salim jaddy he's a massive french wrestling fan who lives in france surprisingly because most of them tend to be there so i know him through wrestling figure collecting wrestling merch collecting type communities met him for the first time at all in as I said, him and his mate Chris are huge wrestling fans. They've been to WrestleManias together. They came to All In. Also go to quite a few UK independent shows. I think they're looking at coming over to Royal Quest too. Uh, lovely guy. Really nice guy. 
Um, it was great to meet him at All In. And he sent in a corker of a story. He was telling me how he got into wrestling. So he's a few years older than us. And he got into wrestling around WrestleMania 3. Because obviously Andre was in the main event. I imagine that was pretty big in France. I don't think we even had it in the UK then. Um, but yeah, he got into it for WrestleMania 3. And was just hooked ever since. And has begun to shows to this day. Yeah, so that's a beautiful layup. Uh, that Shafi's just given there to this fan of Andre the Giant and he sent in the story of when he met him which is amazing because Andre the Giant almost feels like a mythological character that uh, was um, (laughs) not really part of the human world and it's amazing that these stories exist and here's his so he says so here is my best story related to wrestling how I met Andre the Giant in 1990 thanks to my father my father was a taxi driver He knew I loved wrestling and he told me he met Andre several times. I pleaded with him. Next time he sees him, give me a call, which he agreed on. A few weeks later, the phone rang. My dad told me Andre was at the Moulin Rouge Cabaret and the show ended in the next hour. So I took a pen, my drawing and put on my Andre sized tee, which was bought at the Paris house show that WF did in October 1988. And I took the subway to the Moulin Rouge. Andre walked out of the show saw my t-shirt and agreed to sign my drawing. My father asked him to take his taxi, but Andre had already booked another taxi. I wish I had my camera at the time, but at least I got my drawing autographed by Andre, which is to this day, my most precious wrestling item. So that's just a beautiful, lovely story about someone meeting their favorite wrestler, someone who got them into wrestling and to meet someone of such a meteoric size, (laughs) metaphorically and physically in Andre the Giant is amazing. And obviously this is a verbal podcast, so you can't see it, but Shafi did show me the, the drawing and the drawing itself is great. Shafi as well, isn't it? Yeah, I'm sure we'll um, put that up on the socials. But yeah, such a cool story. Like, I mean, Andre died not long after, maybe a year or two after. So to be able to see, you know, someone that you literally look up to um, <laughs> in such a chance encounter is is crazy. Yeah, amazing. Um, so that is something that, that we're looking to do each week, probably taking the role of the call-up sheet getting a fun story um, that someone has about meeting a wrestler. Sometimes they'll be touching like that. And sometimes I'm sure they'll be silly and fun. But talking about wrestlers that people love, Josh, I think it's probably time at this point in the podcast to finally get a bit of a tribute to your favorite wrestler, Bray Wyatt, someone that we obviously so sadly lost not too long ago. Um, You wrote a fantastic blog on your site, nobodyisready.com. I urge people to go and read that as it's a long form piece about your love of, of him and why you were so drawn to him as a wrestler. Uh, but let's try and do it justice in podcast form with you now. Yeah. So I, obviously I've been meaning to come on for a little bit and haven't been able to since Bray passed away. But I think the way I started that blog was kind of everybody has their like person, be it a footballer, a politician, a musician. Uh, and Bray Wyatt was my person. And to wake up on the Friday that I was travelling to London for what was meant to be the most amazing weekend of wrestling. And uh, it's never good being a wrestling fan when you wake up in the morning and you can just see your phone is just covered in notifications. It doesn't tend to be good news. And obviously it was one of the worst news that I could have possibly got. But I will say that the one kind of, the one comfort in the weeks that have passed since have been lots of people checking in on me personally, which was nice. And also just to see so many clips of just incredible, you know, promos and just things that Wyndham did in his real life. And yeah, it's been obviously tough to take, but at the same time, we have the benefit of his art, his his wrestling career, his promos, uh, the great moments I got and stuff. So yeah, 
the blog was something I wanted to do and I was advised to do it. Uh, and I found it quite a, a cathartic experience just to kind of, I, I structured it in a way it wasn't as much a career retrospect. It was kind of that, but mixed in with uh, my own personal memories of Bray Wyatt and kind of what the different promos and different moments in his career meant to me. Wrestling is a place that I go to for escapism and for comfort, as most of us do. And I could kind of associate different moments where I've not been in the best of places. And there's been a way that wrestling have kind of picked me up. And a lot of those have come through Bray Wyatt, through different things that he did, through winning certain matches, through feuds. The main one being, obviously, we all kind of had it when the, the world kind of collapsed on itself during COVID. Uh, and then I was kind of gifted the the Funhouse match with Cena, which I just thought was the most beautifully told story. And I think uh, if Bray Wyatt is the artist, then I think that's probably his his Mona Lisa. But obviously, you know, as much as his career has, has stopped, I know it's cliche, I guess his kind of legacy and his the things he was able to produce as a character will go on forever. So, yeah, it's been uh, tough. Nobody likes to lose anyone, particularly someone who you sought out so many times when you were in need. But... The one thing I do have, like I've said, is is I can always go back and watch a promo or watch a match and stuff. And uh, yeah, I want to thank everyone who's kind of checked in on me since then. Obviously, All In Weekend was kind of, if the, there's never a, a good time for those sort of things to happen. But I think if it was ever going to happen, immediately going and being able to be around other wrestling fans. And I had lots of nice people come up to me and talk to me about Bray Wyatt and stuff like that. And, and people who I haven't heard from for a while and people who haven't been the biggest of Bray Wyatt fans. And and that's fair enough. I think wrestling's all about opinions and stuff. But, you know, I had a number of people come up to me and, and message me and stuff with very nice things. So, yeah, it's, it's been tough. But at the same time, like I've said, I think the work of one of the most unique performers and minds that the wrestling business has seen in, in recent memory will outlive all of us. Yeah, for sure. The comments that were flying around social media from people, not just in the, the WWE, but the wider wrestling community shows how well thought he was creatively and also as a person, as a human being. And that's obviously probably the most important thing in anyone's life. And the fact that he was loved so much and thought of so fondly is obviously a helping hand to you in that as well, I'm sure. I thought the SmackDown tribute show to him was beautifully done. Sometimes those shows can not quite hit the right nerve, I guess. Sometimes it can come across a bit, I don't know the word for it, but it doesn't quite land how it should maybe but i thought that it was really well done that show and i hope that that show helped you in some way as well josh uh it brought along a lot of tears i'll be honest <laughs> which i think can kind of be healthy to to kind of get the tears out the way so to speak yeah um i nearly went again immediately after walking into to wembley for all in when they played uh shower over the speaker i don't know if you guys were in the stadium by then but um yeah it was pretty much the first song i heard when i walked into the stadium which was an amazing thing. And then I, I'm sure you guys would have seen it. The two guys who, who cosplays as Bray Wyatt. There was one guy dressed as the Fiend at All In. He was on the, the floor seats. And there was another guy in kind of like the Hawaiian shirt, Bray era, get up. Yeah. So, yeah, like I've said, um, I have the benefits of YouTube Premium, which means you can download videos to watch when you don't have Wi-Fi. And I watched the, the Funhouse match and then also the debut of the Fiend on my way back from London yesterday, which... Yeah, it, being able to go back and, and watch that stuff. And I've got a few videos where I've watched Bray Wyatt matches and moments and stuff with friends. But yeah, it's like with anything really wrestling-wise, the memories and stuff will uh, stay with you forever. Yeah, nice. James, do you think that he's going to be Hall of Famer 2024? Well, he'll definitely be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, whether they want to give it a bit of time or not, it'll be, like, it'll be the only decision. But yeah, definitely worthy of a Hall of Fame spot for his uh, 
his career. Was there a character of his that you were most drawn to? I mean, I I I really enjoyed his uh, initial White Family run on the main roster. Yeah. I, seen, I don't think we could get NXT at that point, to be honest. So I didn't see much in there. But the uh, the initial run, I mean, I remember the I can't remember which mania it was. Was it New Orleans when thirty when he wrestled Cena? Yeah, uh, yeah, and, was and it? like my yeah. yeah, my friend Cookie. I think most of you have met at Progress or somewhere over yeah. the years. He was there. He was there in a uh, yeah in in the Hawaiian getup dressed as Bray. Where everyone was really behind behind him there, and that was probably the, the my highlight of a of a Bray Wyatt uh, moment. Nice, Shaf. We were at um, a SmackDown when the entrance happened for us, like being there at the same time. That was a pretty cool memory for me. What are your favorite memories of Bray Wyatt? I think probably my favorite memory is actually the match with Cena at WrestleMania because. It was obviously one of the first cinematic matches they did. They did Boneyard the night before, but it was such a difficult time in the world. You know, we'd very, very recently gone into lockdown at that point. No one really knew if many was even going to take place, what they were going to do about it. You can't really have a character like Bray in, you know, an empty performance center. It it just doesn't work. And what they pulled off was a wonderful escape from what felt like the crumbling world around us. So that match will always have a certain place and a certain amount of fondness to me. Yeah, well said, well said. So that wraps up episode 109 of Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. We've had ourselves Josh. Josh, did you want to plug your blog? Yeah, uh, com. Like I said, that's where you can find the Bray Wyatt blog. And also I'm doing a uh, blog series on the WWE game at the moment where I kind of book my own uh, WWE universe, which is a lot of fun. Lovely stuff. JCH, have you got anything to plug? In a while, Ivy Nile. Hey, there it is. <laughs> Excellent. Look forward to you on in your next appearance. <laughs> Running low. And... <laughs> Shaft, did you want to um, give a shout out to the competition that we're running on Facebook? Yeah, so catch uh, Wrestling Should Be Fun. New Facebook page gone up a few weeks ago. Doing really well over there. Give it away, a free t-shirt of your choice. Any wrestling shirt you can find on any shop in the world. If you win, we will buy it for you. We'll send it to you so that you are perfectly merged up for your next live wrestling uh, attendance. So catch us there by all means. People will say, you know, or ask why, you know, you've got Insta, you've got Facebook, you've got Twitter. Why do I need to follow all of them? And unlike a lot of sites, we have different content on each one that are more tailored to the audiences there. So to get the full wrestling should be fun. Experience, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and catch the weekly pod, which you're already doing, of course. So you're like, why are you telling me this? (laughs) Well said, well said, which leaves me with nothing more to add other than drink lots of water and look after your mates. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. fun.